0: You can whip up emotion in response to music, but your true worship will only go as high as your understanding of the Word of God goes deep. Because you have to know who God is and what He's done to really worship Him.
1: Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington, Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Hello, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom continues his current series with Part 5 of a 12-part series titled, Recovering a Lost Legacy. It's a study of how today's Christian church has largely abandoned many of its foundational elements that define its long legacy, including the priority and practice of God-honoring biblical music. The Bible teaches that there are three primary purposes for music in worship personal, horizontal, and vertical. Personally, in the sense that we as Christians must be actively engaged in remembering the truths of Scripture. Horizontally, as Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5 teach, we must sing biblical truths to one another. And vertically, indeed most importantly, we must express our hearts to God. Are you fulfilling these three primary purposes for music and worship? Let's join Tom as he continues in the study of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed.
0: So we're looking at some of those things that used to be understood but have been largely lost in the legacy that was passed on to us. First of all, we considered the legacy of expository preaching, that that is in fact What the church has always done, and even Old Testament believers. We looked at Moses and Ezra and others. This is the pattern of the teaching of God's Word. Last week, we began to focus on the recovery of the legacy of worship in music. Now, the word music is in and of itself a hard word to define. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. How would you define music? Well, the best I found was Webster's definition. It says this, an art of sound in time that expresses ideas and emotions in significant forms through the elements of rhythm, melody, harmony, and color. Music. As we discovered last week, God is constantly surrounded with music, and He Himself sings. So it's not a surprise that Christians love music, especially music that focuses on God. In fact, in every point in church history when there's been a true revival, that has happened through the clear preaching and teaching of the Word of God. It's a recovery of God's Word. But following that recovery of the Word of God, you find always in its wake, a fresh breeze of new God-honoring music that has swept across the church, because wherever there is an authentic work of the Spirit through the Word of God, there will be music. Now thankfully, music is not a problem in our own church, and I'm grateful for that, but there are a couple of reasons that I'm spending more time on this issue than I am on others. First of all, because many Christians have an unbiblical philosophy of music. And secondly, because music is a crucial part of our worship, both individually and corporately. You understand that the issue of music is hotly debated, and and often it's characterized, that debate is characterized by misunderstanding. Perhaps you've heard the old story about the, the farmer who went to the city one weekend and attended a big city church. And when he got back to the farm, his wife asked him, so what was it like to visit that big city church, that inner city church? And the farmer said, you know, it was good, but there were some things that were different. They sang praise songs instead of hymns. His wife said, praise songs? What are those? He said, well, they're they're sort of like hymns, but, but they're different. She said, like, how? He said, well, it's like this. If our cows got loose and they were in the corn and I were to say to you Martha, Martha Martha oh, Martha 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 the cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows the white cows the black and white cows the cows, the cows, the cows are in the corn are in the corn, are in the corn, or in the corn corn, corn, corn and if I repeated that two or three times well that would be a praise song <laughs> but if I were to say O oh, Martha, dear Martha, hear thou my cry. Inclinest thine ear to the words of my mouth. Turn thou thy whole wondrous ear by and by to the righteous, inimitable, glorious truth. For the way of the animals, who can explain? There in their heads is no shadow of sense. Hearkenest they in God's Son or His reign, unless from the mild, tempting corn they are fenced." Yea, those cows, in glad bovine rebellious delight, have broke free their shackles, their warm pins eschewed, then goaded by minions of darkness and night, they all my mild chili wax, sweet corn have chewed. (laughs) So look to that bright shining day, by and by, where all foul corruptions of earth are reborn, where no vicious animal makes my soul cry and I no longer see those foul cows in the corn. And if I were to do verses 1, 3, and 4 and change keys on the last verse, well, well, that would be a hymn. <laughs> That's obviously a serious oversimplification. And fortunately, we sing both traditional and contemporary songs that have much richer lyrics, But the farmer's on to something, and that is there are, in fact, distinct styles of worship music. And today, we're going to consider how to think biblically about those different music styles. We're studying what Scripture teaches about music, and specifically music in worship. We're discovering that Scripture gives us several important insights into this issue of music and worship. Now, last time, Just to remind you where we were last week, last time we began with a biblical critique of music and worship. We looked generally and said, when you examine what Scripture teaches about music and worship, there are some problems with contemporary worship. And I I gave you a list that we're now working our way through and seeing the Scripture address those issues. Secondly, we looked at a biblical history of music. Music predated the creation. The angels sang at the creation. Music, I believe, may very well be as old as God Himself. It may be an eternal expression of the mind of God, but certainly it was created, if it was created, before everything else. It was created because the angels sang at the creation. and. It spans all of human history, both Old Testament worshipers, New Testament worshipers, and as we saw in Revelation, there will be music in eternity accompanied by instruments. Music is an eternal expression of worship and praise to God. Now, thirdly, last time we looked at the biblical priority of music and worship, and I gave you four primary arguments. First of all, God commands every believer to worship in music individually. Secondly, a love for God-centered music is the fruit of being filled by the Spirit of God. We saw that in Ephesians 5. Thirdly, Christ commands the church to worship in music in its corporate worship. And then finally, last time, we considered the fact that our Lord Himself sings, and we will sing with Him in eternity. Today, I want us to move on from those three insights to a fourth insight. Let's begin with this one, the biblical purposes of music in worship. The biblical purposes of music in worship. There are three of them. Let's start with the personal purpose. The personal purpose. Turn with me to Psalm 119. There's a fascinating passage at the end of the remarkable this remarkable longest chapter in the Bible, a chapter related to the beauty of the Word of God, Psalm 119, verse 171. Let my lips utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. Now, watch verse 172. Here is the response to the fact that We need to praise God because as we study the Word of God, the Spirit of God teaches us its meaning. Here's how we respond, verse 172, let my tongue sing of your word for all your commandments are righteous. Verse 172 isn't just making the point we should sing about the Scripture, but the second half of verse 172 is making it clear we are to sing the content of His Word. For because all your commandments are righteous, we're rehearsing the Word of God and the truths that are in the Word of God. Why? Because we're rehearsing what we've learned. That's the point. You study the Word of God, the Spirit of God teaches you the Word, and you turn that knowledge, you turn that truth into music. Why? Because it reminds us it reminds us of the truth. When we marry biblical lyrics to music, it helps us remember the truth of God's Word. This is very clear in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 4. There David appoints some of the Levites to serve as musicians at the tabernacle before the ark of the Lord, and he appointed them to serve as musicians to this end, even to celebrate and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Now, what's interesting is the Hebrew word translated celebrate in the New American Standard is literally the Hebrew word to remember. David appointed musicians at the tabernacle to sing the truths of God's Word in order to help the people of God remember what God has said poetry put to music has always had that power. I mean, think about it. When, when you hear a few notes of a song, a song that you heard so many years ago and that you thought you'd forgotten, what happens? You hear those few notes and the lyrics pop back into your mind. Why? Because music is an amazing vehicle to remember, to remember. And music in worship enables us to remember the truth John Frame, in his book on worship, writes this Poetic musical forms impart vividness and memorability to God's words. That vividness and memorability, in turn, drive the word into our hearts so that it becomes precious to us and motivates us to praise and obedience. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, when you, when you marry the truth of God's Word with poetry and music, it becomes memorable to you and that the memory of that truth drives the truth into your heart and that makes the truth become more precious to you and it motivates you both to praise God and to obey the truth that's in the song you're singing. It reminds us of the truth of God. Old Testament believers committed many of the Psalms to memory so that they could worship corporately, they could sing together. We see that primarily in what are called the Songs of Ascent, Psalms 120 to 134. Songs of Ascent simply meant these are the songs that the the children of Israel sang as they ascended from their, their towns to Jerusalem, to the temple for those three appointed annual feasts. They sang them together as they traveled because they memorized them. They knew them. They had the truth committed to memory because of the power of poetry and music combined. The truth about God, His ways, His words, those truths are so much more easily remembered when married with music. We sing Christian music because it helps us personally remember and rehearse the great truths that we have come to know. A second purpose for music and worship is a horizontal purpose, a horizontal purpose. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and you can keep your finger in Ephesians 5 because we're going to be back and forth here a lot. There's so much in this text. But Ephesians 5 verse 19, Right after he says, I want you to be filled by the Spirit with the Word of God, he says, and here's what will, it will produce, verse 19 of Ephesians 5, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, if you're reading the Bible inquisitively, and I hope you are, the thing that should immediately jump out at you is, wait a minute, I thought music was addressed to God. Why does it say speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms? Well, Paul answers that question in the parallel passage, a, a book written at the same time. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And by the way, that is a parallel expression To be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5. They mean the same thing. To be be filled by the Spirit with the Word is the same thing as letting the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. And look at the fruit of it, verse 16. With all wisdom, here's what it means to speak to one another, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We speak to one another in our music to teach and admonish. Now, teaching means to instruct or to impart a knowledge of the truth. Admonishing means to warn, to exhort, to persuade to do the truth, to believe and do the truth. So, teaching is imparting the truth. Admonishing is persuading to believe or practice the truth. Think about this. One of the chief purposes of music in the church is to teach one another spiritual truth. It's a tool for mutual edification. When you sing here in the church as we gather, when you sing wherever there are other believers, sing to one another. Don't be afraid to make eye contact with one another. You know, we live in an emotional-driven day where it's all about me and God, and it's, you know, I'm keeping my eyes to myself, and if I look anywhere, I'm looking up, and No, don't be afraid to look around and make eye contact and affirm together and say, I believe that truth Do you. We sing to one another. When we sing, we're to speak to one another. And, And that really takes place in three ways, we could say. We sing to teach others biblical truths they don't know. You realize every time we sing, there are people around us who don't know those truths that we're singing. There are people here this morning who don't know the importance of the church about which we sang. They really live in an individualistic world, and they think it's all about them and God. They don't understand that the church matters to God. As we sang those songs, we were teaching one another, in some cases, truths that people really don't know. Also, we sing to remind and to rehearse truths that they do know for their edification and encouragement. We sing to one another in some cases because, yes, they know those truths, but they need to be reminded of them. They need to be encouraged by them. They need to be fed by that truth. Maybe they've had a a challenging week with trials and difficulties, and we're talking about God sustaining us through trials. They know that, but they need to be encouraged in that. So we sing not only to teach the truth to people who don't know it, we sing to remind and rehearse truths to people who do. And then we sing to exhort or persuade others to believe and practice those truths. In other words, when we sing, we're not only saying that's right, but there's a whole lot in the songs we sing about things we ought to do, and we're saying, you need to do that, I need to do that, let's do this together. I'm often reminded of that. I'll give you an example. We sing a song that says, use my ransom life in any way you choose. Every time I sing that phrase, I'm thinking about myself and going, Lord, use my ransom life in any way you choose. And I'm looking around thinking about you and saying, Lord, help every person in this church to have that kind of heart of devotion to Jesus Christ. To say, use my ransom life in any way you choose. So understand then, music is primarily communication. It is not entertainment it primarily serves a mental purpose, not an emotional one. Practically, that means that we should choose and sing songs, not primarily because we like the sound or the style of the music, but because of the lyrics. Brothers and sisters, don't choose music simply because of the way it makes you feel, but because of the way it makes you think. Our worship in music, let me put it bluntly, listen carefully, our worship in music will only go as high as our understanding of God's Word goes deep. I mean, you can, you can whip up emotion in response to music, but your true worship will only go as high as your understanding of the Word of God goes deep, because you have to know who God is and what He's done to really worship Him. That means, obviously, our lyrics should be biblical. It goes without saying they shouldn't be contrary to biblical truth, but they also should be permeated with biblical truth. That's why we talk about singing the Bible. That's Psalm 119, verse 54. Your statutes are my songs. Now, listen carefully. There is another critical implication of the fact that Christian music is to edify and teach others. We speak to one another. There's one more crucial implication, and I don't want you to miss this. When it comes to the music that we sing corporately, your first thought should not be about you, the style you like, the songs you prefer. In corporate worship, your concern should be about others. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, it talks about when the church assembles, there's music involved, and it says, let all be done for edification. Let even our music, be done for the edification of others. Now, what does that mean practically? Let me just be blunt. If you personally prefer uh, traditional music, if you love the hymns and you're not so keen on other styles, don't sit and sulk when we sing contemporary music. Don't complain in your heart. Instead, sing out so those who do respond to contemporary music will be taught and admonished by those lyrics. If, on the other hand, you prefer contemporary music, don't check out and inwardly complain when we're singing older hymns. No, be all in and pray for those who love traditional music that they will learn from the truth of the lyrics that we're singing together and be persuaded to obey them. Music in the corporate worship is not primarily about you. It's about God, and it's about others speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're to teach others the truth, and we're to admonish them to believe and practice it. There's a third purpose of music in worship, not only a personal purpose, remembering God's Word, and a horizontal purpose, speaking to one another these truths, but there's also obviously a vertical purpose. Look again at Ephesians 5, verse 19. Singing and making melody with your heart, notice this, to the Lord. Music is others' directed for their edification. It's also God-directed for genuine worship. Music expresses our hearts to God. When we sing in worship, Our mind should not only be focused on others, but should also deliberately focus on God. Think about it this way. You know, we talk about what worship is. Jesus put it this way. He said, God is seeking true worshipers. This is John 4, is interchanged with the Samaritan woman. He said, God is seeking true worshipers, and those who worship Him, listen carefully, must worship in spirit and in truth. That means our worship, first of all, has to be in accordance with the truth. It has to reflect God's Word. But to worship in spirit means not in the Holy Spirit, that small s. It means to be all in, to worship with your whole being, to be engaged in what you're doing.
1: That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part five of his series, Recovering a Lost Legacy. Tom will have part six for you on our next program. Join us then, won't you? Well, Tom, some may still be wondering why the great importance of engaging in music that is God-centered. Can you share a closing thought about that with us?
0: You know, Bill, at its heart, the simple reason is this, because that is what honors God. God is pleased and He's honored when we worship Him exactly as He has prescribed in His Word. In fact, God seeks worshipers that will worship him from the heart in truth. And that's the chief reason that God gave music to his people, was to bring him glory. So if we fail to, to do music and to worship in his way, the biblical way, then we're simply being disobedient. Music, if it's done biblically and responsibly, is a wonderful tool that helps us as the people of God To glorify God. That should be the aim of the church every Sunday morning when it sings. And friend, that should be your aim when you join with the church in singing.
1: Thanks, Tom. And friend, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at the Again, that's listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. We also invite you to visit thewordunleashed.org, where you'll find other resources, including additional series from The Word Unleashed. That's thewordunleashed.org. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals just like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do so by visiting thewordunleashed.org.